PodCastle episode 476 for June 27th, 2017. Clay and Smokeless Fire by Saladin Ahmed, rated PG. Hello and Assalamu alaikum friends and welcome to PodCastle for our very first Ramadan special, referring to, of course, the holy month of fasting for Muslims around the world. I'm Farinaz Rishi. I'm a Pakistani-American young adult author of speculative fiction. I'm currently working on my debut novel with content production company Glasstown Entertainment, and I'm also a former lawyer, proud graduate of the Odyssey Writers' Workshop, and freelance journalist published in Killscreen Magazine and Vice. Now that I have that squared away, I am honored to introduce this powerful story written by an author that I deeply admire, Saladin Ahmed. Saladin Ahmed was born in Detroit. His debut novel, Throne of the Crescent Moon, praised by George R. R. Martin as a rollicking swashbuckler, received starred reviews from Publishers Weekly, Kirkus Review, and Library Journal, and was nominated for the Hugo Award for Best Novel and the Nebula Award for Best Novel. Throne won the Locus Award for Best First Novel and has been translated into half a dozen foreign languages. Saladin's poems and short stories, nominated for numerous awards, have appeared in publications ranging from Slate to Kalaloo to BuzzFeed and have been widely anthologized and translated. His essays on politics, geek culture, and Muslim American issues have appeared in the New York Times, the Boston Globe, and Salon. He lives near Detroit and is currently writing Black Bolt for Marvel Comics. This story is precisely the one we need right now. A story about a wandering jinn and a woman who dares to stand against those who have deemed themselves the authority. A woman full of fire and hard to kill. Podcastle is very proud to present Saladin Ahmed's Clay and Smokeless Fire, originally published in Slate Magazine. Khalida Muhammad Ali, co-editor of Podcastle, is your narrator today. May this story empower you. Clay and Smokeless Fire by Saladin Ahmed Kumkam stood upside down atop a cell phone tower, twirling on its pinnacle on his fingertip. When the humans had first started to besmirch the earth with the things, Kumkam had thought them hideous, but he'd come to love dancing on them the way he'd once loved dancing on ziggurats. Well, he'd come to like it anyway. Kumkam didn't know if there was anything left in this lower world that he loved. But sometimes when he leapt among the towers and turbines of America, he felt something like happiness again, for a moment or two at least. It rarely lasted longer than that, for he was one of the last jinn left living in this interminable age of raised apes. The error of humankind, a nothing people, born from dirt when Kumkam's people were born from smokeless fire. Kumkam floated lazily down from the tower, landing softly on his bare brown feet. Then he closed his swirling opal eyes and pictured a small red house not far away. A shimmering appeared around him, and when he opened his eyes, he was floating above the house. Some of the jinn enjoyed walking like men the slowness of it. Kumkam had never been one of them. He had never understood why the flapping bags of flesh were first in God's eyes, 
they tore at each other like dogs at any chance. They starved each other to sit on piles of gold. Most unforgivably, they had taken this astonishing garden, this jagged half-paradise of leaf and ice and mountain and flower that God had made for them, and they had filled it with shit and poison. These insults to God and his garden had grown worse of late, and worst here in America. Kumkam had seen fool kings and robber kings, mad kings and rape kings. The new American king, president, they called it here, was all of them at once, and his merchants and armies were making a befouled realm even fouler. No, Kumkam didn't much love this world anymore, and when a jinn stops loving this world, he leaves it. Kumkam's people had been on earth for God knew how many thousands of years. They did not die from blades or age the way men did. They could live until God declared the end of days on earth, but only if they wanted to. A jinn's life didn't come without fail, the way the sun rose and fell. To live, a jinn needed reasons to keep living. Strangely enough, one of the things that kept Kumkam alive after so many of his friends had left this world, was his interest in mankind. Well, in a handful of them. Most humans disgusted Kumkam, babbling creatures whose repulsive meat threatened to smother the spark of life that God had given them. But Kumkam had found that one in every hundred thousand thousand of them were different. One in every hundred thousand thousand could see him, hear him, speak to him, and for perishable sacks of skin, they were fascinating. Kumkem had never been comfortable among his own kind, for the conversation of the jinn had always bored him. But humans, the ones worth talking to, were a delight, if a bizarre one. Such men and women had never been common, but there had been more of them once. When he found them now, Kumkam was inclined to be protective of them. He stood now hovering above the house of just such a one, a child to whom Kumkam had not yet spoken. He had been watching this child and his mother in this house on the quiet, dead-scented American street for some weeks. He knew the signs, and was certain the boy, Ernesto was his name, would soon discover his gift for gin-talking. So Kumkam had watched the quiet life of this little red house, listening to birds and squirrels and the occasional voice of a neighbor. But now Kumkam was watching something different, something terrible. Black wagons liveried with angry letters surrounded the boy's small red house. Men with weapons, the king's men, a dozen of them at least, buzzed in and out of its doors like angry insects. They were dressed in black and wore badges and flag patches. Ernesto and his mother were both bound at the wrists. They were being led from the house. One of the armed men was on a cell phone, laughing. The boy was trying not to cry. Men. This is what these people were. Filth that ate itself. Yet God had raised mankind above the jinn. Kumkam could never doubt the infinite wisdom of the Almighty. There was some high and powerful reason that God had favored the humans, but Kumkam couldn't see it. 
Kumkam floated softly to the ground and stood unseen and untouchable among the men with weapons. Once he might have taken a direct hand. He might have grown giant and smashed the wagons or turned this new king, this new president, as they called kings in this land, and his army into pigs. But that age was past. These days the jinn, the few of them still left, just watched and waited and once in a while whispered with the few men who could still hear them. If Ernesto had learned jinn talking already, Kumkam might have tried to act through the boy, to fill him with power. He'd done it for a handful of men before, though not in many years. But it wouldn't work. The boy was uninitiated. The men with weapons were pushing Ernesto and his mother toward a wagon when the woman next door, very old by the human's way of counting things, came running out, followed by her son, a grown man. Kumkam knew this woman, full of fire and hard to kill. She spoke and sang sometimes in the tongue of Solomon and David. The edges and tones of the words had pleased Kumkam, reminding him of other times and places. So many who spoke the older tongues had been dragged from America since this new king had come. Each time the old woman had spoke or sung the words, Kumkam had perched near her, invisible, relishing the sounds and hoping she would continue. But it was never more than a few words, quietly to herself. She was not quiet now. She flew at the men, heedless of their weapons, no, no, what are you doing? These are good people. This is a mistake. One of the men with weapons turned toward her patiently. Ma'am, please step back. You're bullies is what you are. You leave these people alone. These are my neighbors. She was still walking. Kumkam had to admire her, for her steps were not easy. The curse of aging flesh that God had placed on humankind. It had nearly taken this woman, but she strode up to the men like a soldier in his youth. Ernesto was crying now. One of the men was telling him to stop. They would not let his mother hold him. One of the men put his black-gloved hand up in front of the old woman. Ma'am, please, I really don't want to charge you. He held up a small black book. Charge me? Go ahead, charge me, she shouted. Mom, the woman's son barked, moving toward her. You want my name? The old woman said to the armed man. My name is Sylvia fucking Reitzes. Write that down. Sylvia fucking Lorraine fucking R-E-I-T-Z-E-S. Write down that I said this was wrong, that somebody said something. Write that in your little fucking book. As she spoke, the old woman had managed to put herself between Ernesto and his mother and the wagon they were being herded toward. These are good people, she said more calmly. Graciela never did anything to anyone. You want to take them? You're going to have to beat up an old lady. Kumkam blinked and reappeared right beside the woman. It was not often one saw the spark of God's light shine so brightly from within human flesh. He wanted to see it up close. Sylvia, no, said Ernesto's mother. The angry man grew angrier. Ma'am. Mom, are you crazy? Stay out of this. You don't know what's going on here. 
The old woman's son tried to step in, but the men held him back. What's going on here? she shouted, her moment of calm gone. I know what's going on here. Something rotten. Something wrong. Kumkam saw the angry man's eyes make a decision. The man raised his weapon. He pointed it at the old woman. Ma'am, get out of the way now. And then, without warning, the old woman turned and looked Kumkam in the eye. She saw him, and she said, clear as the call of the Muazin in the night, You, you can help. You have to help. Kumkam felt as if he'd been struck. She could see him. But there was no time for hows and whys. He drew power from within his heart of smokeless fire, and he clasped the old woman's hand. Smoke from nowhere began to roil. The old woman rose bodily from the ground, and the men froze. Lightning crackled around her, and light filled her eyes. Kumkam floated beside her, unseen by the others, grasping her hand. He smiled. It had been a long time since he'd done this. Mom, Sylvia's son said faintly. Then the bullets began to fly. None of them reached her, of course. Their weapons crumbled to dust before her, and the men who tried to grab her were knocked back by winds born 10,000 years ago. Sylvia spoke, and her voice was both hers and Kumkam's, a voice of cigarettes and gin and thunder and old mountains. Go, they said together, and the earth shook with the sound. Now! The king's men stood there a moment. Go! Kumkam and Sylvia shouted as one. Purple lightning split the sky around them. The calls of wolves and owls filled the air. The men with weapons screamed. Then they ran. When they were gone, Kumkam released Sylvia's hand, and they drifted gently to the ground together. Ernesto was staring at him openly now. Kumkam had never been seen by two humans in one day. It felt pleasant. Sylvia turned to him. She did not marvel at what had just happened. She did not explain anything. She said, they'll come back. What the hell do we do now? Now? Kumkam smiled and put his huge arm around Sylvia's bony shoulder. Now we keep living. And welcome back. I love this story because Sylvia is so recognizable. She is a woman unafraid to defy injustice. She stirs and inspires so effortlessly. I see her in our mothers, our aunts, our sisters. I see her on the news, and I see her protest. One day, I hope to see her in me. That was our show for this week. On behalf of everyone at Podcastle, thank you for letting us share another story with you. We'll be back next week with another story. Until then, this is Farah Nazrishi reminding you to stay full of fire in these darker days. Our closing quote comes from Malala Yousafzai. There are two powers in the world. One is the sword and the other is the pen. But there is a third power stronger than both, that of women. Thank you.